You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us again from Launceston. Welcome, David. Hi, Jason. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you back on Reflecting Jesus, our Mm. Thursday program. And uh, I always remember your opening up uh, or the way that you open your program is to share something in this series you've been talking about recently, blessings in your Christian walk. So um, what have you got for us for today? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Today what I really want to do is summarise all the blessings that I've been sharing these many past weeks, Um, and there's been a few. But in all, I've shared about 24 distinct and different blessings that I've actually been able to identify from my own journey. Now, I'm sure if I took time to think about it, I could think of dozens more. Most of us could. But in essence, when we're looking back over our own Christian experience, what we see as challenges many times, we can actually see when we look back that they're blessings in disguise or they were blessings in disguise. Sometimes it takes many years to recognise that. Um, looking ahead, perhaps even right now for people, we can see that many of the struggles that we face uh, are actually for our good. Mm. And the Bible actually says this in, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter eight twenty eight. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are his... Uh, that, that, sorry, let me do that again. <laughs> yeah. To those who are the called according to his purpose. Sometimes Paul is hard to read. But, but that's the fact, you know. Uh, he, he's saying here, God is saying through Paul that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Mm. And so even the, the difficult, the challenges, the, the things that we find that, you know, this is really hard, I can't believe I'm going through this. When we look back later, we think, oh, look how it shaped my character. Look how it prepared me for helping someone else, whatever it might be. Um, that's really, really important for us. And and First Corinthians 10.13 says something that I find really, really encouraging when I have these challenges. Let me briefly read it for you. In verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except that is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with The temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So everything that comes across my desk, everything that comes to me in my life has been vetted by God. We see that through Job as well. Mm. We see that God has taken the time to say, yes, David can cope with this or um, I want to see how far he can um, go with it uh, and strengthen his character and when it's too much, I'll help him out. Mm. Uh, you know, I'll give him a way of escape. That, that's what I'm really encouraged with when I see these challenges. Mm. It is uh, so true that, um, you know, we face many difficulties in life, some little, some big. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not until often when we look back on those ex- circumstances that we realise, hey, there was something in that that, that I benefited from. I, I learned, I grew, I 
you know, I matured in my uh, understanding or whatever it was through that mm. difficult time. So yeah, yeah. we have to trust God in, and his wisdom, even though sometimes we don't understand it at the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, now, I just want to remind our listeners, in our past episode um, last week, what did we do last week, David? <laughs> yeah, look, last week uh, we looked at um, the... Uh, oh, you've got me. I'd have to pull it up and have a look. That's all right. That's all right. Because uh, it was actually two weeks ago, so we took a break last week because it was a public that's right. holiday. So I'm thinking, that's why it's hard for me to remember. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, anyway, you can go back and have a listen to our past episodes using the Faith <laughs> FM app or the Faith FM website. I can look it up here, David. The title of your program last week was called "The Gentiles." So, oh yes, yes, of course. Yeah. We were looking at all those all those different people that uh, that Jesus reached out to. The, you know those who are maligned, those who were were um, you know on the edges of or the fringes of society, and those who were non-Jews. We looked yes. at all of that. Yeah. So we've been talking about, I guess, reaching different uh, people, haven't we? Different uh, groups mm. of people. Mm. And um, we'd love you to be able to go back and have a listen. If you've missed out on past episodes, you can do that on the Faith FM website or the Faith FM app, which you can get from the App Store. So search for Faith FM Australia. And you'll find our app in the App Store there. Did you also know, David, that uh, you can get our Tassie Encounters program on the podcasts, uh, such as Apple Podcasts? Mm, if you yes. search in there, you can find it, and that means you can listen on the road or wherever you are. So, mm. great thing to do. Um, so, David, today, what are you going to be sharing with us? Yeah, as, as I complete the series today of this section of the series, Reflecting Jesus, I'm going to take a look at this final group um, in these different people that God wants us to associate with, um, and the Bible is very specific about it, uh, and it's called Your Enemies. We don't often want to talk about or associate with this group, but, but Jesus is very clear on it about how we should deal with our enemies. So that's what I want to look at today. And before we uh, go to a break, which is coming up shortly, I'd like to ask a question for our listeners, and this is quite a personal question. If you don't want to share, I understand sometimes talking about your enemies can be very difficult. But have you ever had an issue with someone that was straining your relationship so much that they became an enemy? And if you did, was it resolved? If it was, how was it resolved? Mm. So that can be really challenging. and. Maybe I can kick it off with um, with something that happened with me. Unfortunately, it's been resolved, so I guess I can speak to um, speak to this topic with uh, with less anxiety. And uh, one time, I, re- I remember I talked to you once before about my brother and how we fell out. It seems something to do with guys, you know. And so it was my brother in law this time, uh, and it was an early point of our marriage. And I, I, I was on really good terms with my brother-in-law and all of my brother, brother-in-laws I treat like my own brothers, so very close. But we were having a conversation with my wife's brother at this particular time and I felt like he was trying to drive a wedge between my wife and I. And I, I guess at the time I didn't really understand how close they were as a family. But I felt he was trying to drive a wedge between us. And so without clarifying what he meant or or what was going on for him, I responded in such a way that, well, I thought that I was saying, um, at the very least, um, that if he was doing that, 
he would find I wouldn't be very friendly to him at all. Um, and it would seriously reflect our relationship or affect our relationship. So unfortunately, though, not knowing his background, where he'd come from, the things he'd been through in his life, he interpreted my words very, very differently to what I meant. And he thought I was saying that if he wasn't careful, I'd become violent to him. Mm. And that was hugely different from what I actually meant. And so from that time on, he pulled back and we didn't talk for many years until one time my wife was having a conversation with him and he brought this up and she said, that's not what he meant at all. Mm. What he actually meant and explained what I just said, you know, that there would be a difference in my way of treating him rather than a violent way. And, and I was surprised at, at really how quickly a brother because that's what he was like to me, could become an enemy. And I'm so glad that, you know, we've, we've clarified and we've worked that out now. But, mm. um, you know, what, what's your experience? What's it been like? Yes, look, there's been many circumstances in my life where there's been some misunderstanding or something that I've said or done and I've upset somebody and then they've, mm. they've mm. felt like it's become a very strained relationship or uh, what have you. And I've had some that have healed and um, we've become good friends and others that uh, still still yet to <laughs> resolve. So. But um, it's interesting that uh, this lesson today I think is very important for all of us that when we have those difficult relationships, we need to continue to reach out to people. And um, I guess... The way that I would say it is build a bridge, you know, to to reconnect and uh, mm. open up the relationship so that there's no ongoing hard feelings and resentment. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. We have, to, like you say, we have to build bridges, not walls. That's right. Yeah, and often simply, you know, a word, a, a look, a, a tone. I've learned about tone. Man, that can build so many walls. Mm. So we'd love to hear from you today. If you can text us in, uh, have you ever had an issue that's strained a relationship so much that they sort of became your enemy? And uh, did it get resolved? Text us in your answer on 0488 This is a beautiful song and it's called Blessings by Laura Story. Protection while we sleep We pray for healing For prosperity We pray for your mighty hand To ease our suffering And all the while You hear each spoken need Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? Disguise 
Story, Blessings in Disguise. You are listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with David Maxwell on the series. This is our last program in this series, um, the Reflecting Jesus series. And today's topic is uh, how we love our enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did ask a question before the break. We'd love to hear from you today. This is, have you ever had an issue with somebody that strained your relationship so much that they became your enemy? And uh, was it ever resolved? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Before the break, David, you mentioned that we're going to be looking at this topic and we've been looking at overall over the past few series how we reach out to different people. Mm. And today we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about reaching out to our enemies. And uh, we, we need to, I guess, start unpacking that. 
Yeah, thanks very much, Jason. Yeah, so we've looked at a number of different people groups, uh, people who've once known God and walked away. You know, we were reflecting around the um, people of Israel that God called his lost sheep. So they were really close to God at some points in their experience and then they had fallen away to the point when Jesus came. They really weren't reflecting him very much at all. And we've also looked at uh, people who don't really know God at all. Um, that's That's been a challenge for many people. Often many people in these groups that we've been looking at have no personal connection with God at all. And as we mentioned earlier, there was the group of the people who were on the fringes of society, those who most people neglect, and the religious people in Jesus' day were no different. They treated the Gentiles terribly. They treated people of lower class terribly. And we still have a lot of that today as well. Mm. But this last group I want to look at is one that people... Most of those other groups, in many different aspects, we might not have had any personal interaction with them at all, but this particular group we're talking about today is usually because of some kind of interaction we've had. Mm. They have become our enemies or the way we live. They're our enemies that don't like the way we live or whatever it might be. And and when we look, as we look at this today, for whatever reason... Um, they've become our enemies. I want to look at how we can still value them because that's what this last few series have been looking at, valuing other people and how we can treat them as Jesus would want us to treat them. But first we're going to pray. I'll pray for you listening today that you hear God's voice through what we share and then we're going to read our passage. So let's pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that... You're a God who sees us and knows us intimately. You know more of what's going on inside of us than we do. And Father, we pray that you be with us today as we look at this topic of how we treat our enemies. Speak to those who are listening, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So Jason, I'd ask if you would read our text for today, New King James Version, Matthew five forty-three to 48. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust, and on the unjust. Uh, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Mm. A lot of people have been confused with that, haven't they? Yeah. That and last verse. Yes, that's right. That uh, be ye perfect, I think, is another translation. Therefore, you shall be perfect. Mm. And uh, I think in Luke, there's another um, another aspect, ver- aspect or version of this little passage of loving your enemies. And in that verse, it says, therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. And I think that's really what it's getting at, isn't it? Yeah, it's not saying be overall perfect. It's saying be identical to Christ in this aspect. Mm. Yeah. 
For Very sure. important. Mm. So my opening uh, illustration today is entitled Good Versus Bad, Natural Enemies. I, I can remember a, a time when when this really came home very closely to me. I joined the Air Force after having been baptised as a uh, Christian in the Christian faith. Um, I was only 14 at the time, joined the Air Force the following year, 15. Not something I'd recommend. I, I would recommend people to actually get founded in their faith before they join the military. But I did. And out of about 180 young men, I was the only Christian that I knew. Now, there were a couple others I found out, but at the time I was the only one I was aware of. Mm. So I felt really attacked by, you know, people. I just became an enemy to these people, not because of anything I did, but because of who I was. Um, they they really didn't like me as this holy Joe they called me, mm. and and they just treated me really really badly. They maligned, harassed me, persecuted me for my faith, and eventually I broke and I gave in. And what I decided to do was to take up karate. To the intention of me doing it was to get back at everyone who had hurt me in the past, either at school or at um, in the air force. I was going to fix them up. And it's completely different from the attitude that God wants us to have. And I walked away from God and, uh, and I moved up the ranks to Black Belt and First Dan. And, and I'll tell a little bit more about what happened in my mind as, as we went on. But this attitude of revenge is not the attitude that God wants us to have in a relationship with others. Mm. It reminds me of the verse in the Bible that says, revenge is mine, says the Lord. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we're, we're not meant to take that into our own hands. You're right, but it's mm. kind of counterintuitive to us as humans, mm. you know, to treat enemies well. And perhaps that's why there's so many wartime atrocities, you know, with concentration camps and how they really take these enemies of theirs and treat them really, really poorly. Um, you know, we persecute those who persecute us that kill or be killed. Um, and, and often in a wartime situation, you see your close friends um, terribly disfigured or killed uh, by the enemy. And so there's this sense of revenge, getting back, uh, uh, you know, uh, avenging the wrong that's been done. Mm. But Jesus is really, really clear how we should treat this group. Um, the word enemy in the Hebrew, oyeb, actually means to be hostile to. So we are getting the right feeling when we're talking about what's the Bible talking about with enemies, mm. those who we're hostile with. Um, in the New Testament Greek, it's ekroth, e sorry, ekthros, and it means in opposition to or one who's been alienated uh, with us for a long time and refuses to be reconciled. Mm. Now, the Hebrew doesn't actually indicate which is the hostile party. It just says they're an enemy. So mm. it doesn't say who, uh, why they're an enemy. Mm. But the Greek does tend to indicate that it's the other person that's hostile to you, but it doesn't actually say whose fault it is either. All right? So you remember the opening story that I, that I talked about and all of these people that were in opposition to me as a Christian, and it was physical as well. I can remember times when they would hold me down um, and one would have a belt and the other two guys would hold me down and, and one would say, how many commandments are there? And I'd say, oh, he's going to hit me. I'm thinking in my head. Two. And he goes, no, there's not. There's ten. And, and you're going to get extra whack because you told a lie. You know, and so they knew what I was talking about, but there was, it was very physical. And so I was seen as their enemy, even though I hadn't done anything to deserve it. You know, um, 
other than being a good Christian and they wanted me to conform to the way they were. On the other hand, following that, I became really hostile towards these people and resentful. Although I became like one of them, if you like, I had this burning desire to get them back. Um, you know, and, and I guess when we look at enemies of Christ, in both Romans 5, 8 and 10, the Bible clarifies the state of this hostile relationship that we have with him. Um, look, I, I think I, I don't have time to read it, but it's really talking about how we are separated from him. You know, in these verses, it's, we see that God's not the one who's hostile. Uh, we're the ones that are hostile towards him. We're in this hostile relationship. It's us that have walked away from him. And because of how good he is, like when I joined the Air Force and there was that conflict between the way I behaved and the way they behaved, they I don't know whether they felt bad because I was good. But in the sense between us and God, often that's the case. We mm. see his holiness. You've probably been in, in, in the presence of someone who just seems wonderful. Um, you know, they, they treat people well, they give their money, um, you know, selflessly, and it makes us feel, why, not, why am I not like that? Mm. And so then we feel guilty in some way but just because they're being good. And it can create that hostility, and that's what's happened between us and God. We are hostile to God, but he doesn't treat us like that. He says, while we were hostile, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm. He takes this action towards us while we're in this hostile state. And that gives us some powerful examples to emulate today in our interactions with others. And that's, um, I guess, the, the way that God reconciles us to himself and uh, it's the way God also wants us to reconcile with each other, I guess, isn't it? Is to, is to, what do they they call it? Extending an olive branch. Yeah, it's uh, a completely different paradigm, isn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, not something that we're familiar with, or no, that that's, the, right. that's not natural to us. Mm. Not a, no, not natural at all. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to go to a break, and uh, remember the question that we asked you: Have you ever had an issue with somebody that uh, strained your relationship so much? that they became your enemy. We'd love to hear from you today. Um, but right now, we're going to go to this break. This is Reckless Love. And this is by Anthem Lights. Reckless Love, how he loves us. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You've been so, so kind to me Oh, the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, oh the overwhelming, never ending, 
love of God He is jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of His wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh, how He loves us so Oh, how He loves us How He loves us so program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on our series Reflecting Jesus. We've been talking about the topic of loving our enemies and uh, we had Margie text in um, to share a message with us and she said that she tries to help close relatives and friends and it's misinterpreted uh, and so she's come to the conclusion that she must uh, keep her help and advice to herself. Even trying to share the Lord or share the faith is like a red flag to a bull. Uh, what would you say in that case, David, is the best approach? Yeah, look, often when whenever you say something in those circumstances, it's just going to inflame the situation because of something that's going on in that person's life or in their history or something that's happened. So sometimes all you can do, of course, as we said, keep loving them regardless. As uh, Dr. Dick Tibbetts in his book Forgive to Live says, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice you can make even though it's not a choice they're making. So sometimes just living your life as a Christian says more than any word you could have ever said. 
Mm. Now, uh, earlier we were talking about uh, the fact that we had become alienated from God, and uh, and yet God was reaching out to us. Um, we've, we've got more to dig into this topic. So. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So be- before the break, I was saying that mankind had broken this relationship with God, and mm. and it's our own actions that have done it. And generally, over the centuries, people have done that. They, you know, it's, except for a few along the history in the Bible, as we can see, that people have rejected God. But nevertheless, God shows His love to us. Anyway, when Jesus came right from an early age, um, around about the age of 12, he showed that his knowledge of the scriptures was far above the learned um, uh, teachers of the law and those who were in charge. We see that in Luke chapter 2. Perhaps for this reason, as he began his ministry in the 30s, the religious leaders and uh, teachers gravitate to him because of his knowledge. And it would be natural to hang around those people. However, rather than just associating with them and the other religiously pious leaders, uh, as they were often challenged by his behaviour in not doing that, Jesus preferred to spend time with more of the common folk of the day. Uh, we see that time and again through the Gospels. He spends time with the tax collectors, the publicans and sinners, as the religious leaders label them. Matthew 9, Matthew 11, Mark 2, Luke 5, lots and lots of different places we see this. And as we looked at last week, there are also many times that Jesus goes out of his way to reach the non-Jews. Mm. This must have you know, really, really uh, annoyed them because they saw these people as unclean. And what's this religious leader who knows so much? How can he know so much and yet be so ignorant and, and spending time with these filthy people? That's what, how I'm sure they would have seen it. Mm. Um, but Jesus had this mission of seeking and saving the lost. And so he had a different paradigm to what they had. He had a, a true picture of godliness, which they just didn't seem to see. And there were times when he saw people like the Samaritans, the Gentiles, this Syrophoenician woman, Roman, the Roman centurion, just some of those we talked about last time. <clears throat> but things weren't always rosy with Jesus' ministry. You know, it wasn't always perfect and great. There were many, many times when he was very outspoken. And some people will look at this and say, when you say that Jesus is love and Jesus is kind, you're not being biblically honest. And they open up and they say, look at these harsh things that he said um, to the people. And and you have to be honest. Yes, he did say some harsh things. Yes, he did do uh, some harsh things. But let's just look at two of these examples to unpack them just a little to see why he did what he did. And the most popular one that people will quote is the cleansing of the sanctuary. You know, he got a whip and he whipped people and he turned up tables and he drove animals out. It's, why did he do that? Yeah, and seems to indicate that he was quite angry about what was going on in the temple there. He was very passionate about that. That's mm. the word I would use. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but according to John L. DeBal, um, out of the commentary in the Andrews Study Bible, he said the marketplace covered the large outer court of the Gentiles. Okay, So this is not inside the holy place. This is outside the great big large building on the, the, the plat, flat part, if you like, of the temple, if you've ever seen uh, any images of that. And the worshippers would purchase various animals and birds for the sacrifices and exchange their secular money for the money that was acceptable in the temple. This, however, 
was used as an opportunity to charge extremely high prices and oppress the poor, which was very, very uh, enraging to Jesus. Clearly it was this that was preventing some people coming to the temple because they simply just couldn't afford it. Mm. And God's house of prayer was being obstructed, if mm. you like, from the people that really needed it. And and the, the fact that these people should have known better, this was what upset Jesus, that those who were supposed to be representing God were taking advantage of the simple people or the general people, the general population, just for the sake of their own greed. This is what got Jesus upset. Mm. So it wasn't just anything. It was the fact that people were being hindered from salvation and coming closer to God. Secondly, um, are these harsh words that we see, Jesus calling them hypocrites, blind guides, obstructive of God's mercy, greedy, corrupt, sons of hell, unjust, extortioners, murderers. How would you feel <laughs> if mm. Jesus said that to you? Yeah, well, you, you would be insulted. <laughs> you're right. You'd, you'd you're be right. upset. You would. Mm. When he does this, this is in Matthew chapter um, eleven twenty one. that's early in the piece, and this section where he says all those things, chapter 23, it's, it's actually the remaining eight of the ten woes Jesus pronounces upon the children of Israel or the Israelites. And this particular event in chapter 23 happens in the last week of Jesus' ministry before the crucifixion. Actually, on the Monday, and he'd just come through and he'd been hailed by all the people, Palm Sunday we call it, um, the very next day, and this is the last week of his ministry before the crucifixion, he comes and uh, he, he says these things. They have been resisting, the religious leaders uh, are getting these harsh words from Jesus. And they have been resisting Jesus' ministry and the impression of the Holy Spirit, the word of God through Jesus, for three and a half years. Mm. And he calls them all these things. Mm. He says, you're hard-hearted, you're resisting God. Go on, you were going to say something. Yeah, there's this, this sense of um, justice or um, mercy that God is trying to <coughs> deliver to the people and... and when the religious leaders and, and uh, money makers, I guess, were getting in the way of that, that really did um, upset Jesus. And I guess that's, you know, God calls us to be have mercy on those who are in difficult circumstances and to, um, you know, to, to be uh, fair and loving to people. And I guess uh, I, I can imagine a scenario here just quickly that, if there was a, a, a line, you know, perhaps there were a situation where there's not much food around and there's mm. a line of people waiting in, in line to get their allocation of food and people are hungry and starving, but then there's uh, rich people getting in the way and, and extorting money out of people and doing that sort of thing. Mm. You know, we can picture that mm. quite easily and I think this is sort of the, the scenario here where Jesus had, um, he, he wanted to offer that, salvation, that that uh, offering of forgiveness, which is what they were doing in the temple. They came to worship and mm. people and uh, these uh, money makers were extorting people. That's I, I can understand why Jesus was upset. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a sense of injustice. Mm. And, and in 2 Peter 3, 9, we're, we're, we're comforted in saying that it says in there that Jesus doesn't want anyone to be lost and wants everyone to be saved. But there are, there are times when people are is, uh, putting barriers up for genuine people to actually have that opportunity. And, and there's examples in the Bible where God has said, okay, I have to remove some people for the sake of those who are genuinely searching. So that's the right. flood. Sodom and Gomorrah, Jericho, places like that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, have you, we got time to mention the book that we were going to share? Yes, we'll do that, and then we'll go to the break. We've got our book offer today. It's called <coughs> The Healing Power of Forgiveness by Sharon Platt-McDonald. Most of us at some point in our lives have had an issue with forgiveness. If you've been wounded by the hurts others have inflicted on you or struggled with the, great, uh, with the regret of causing pain to someone else, then this book is for you. Join Sharon Platt-McDonald on a journey through the pages of this book to reach the destination of true forgiveness. In each section, you'll be introduced to individuals who have been successful and have a story to tell. This is our book offer for today, and uh, we'll give you the code straight after the break. Right now, this is Wondrous Love by Jaden Lavick. Love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul What wondrous love is this, oh my soul What wondrous love is this That caused the Lord of bliss To bear the dreadful curse for my soul To bear the dreadful curse for my soul I'll sing on, I'll sing on And 
when from death I'm free, I'll sing one. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing in joyful beat. And through eternity, I'll sing one. And through eternity, I'll sing. What a wondrous love. listening to Sazzy Encounters on Faith FM and today we are finishing our program today titled Love Your Enemies. We've been speaking with David Maxwell on our series Reflecting Jesus and before the break we did talk about our free book offer today. It's called The Healing Power of Forgiveness. We've got five copies to give away today so listen carefully. This is the code to claim one of those five copies. Reflect number 24, no spaces. Text in R-E-F-L-E-C-T, reflect number 24, no spaces in that. And text it into 0488-880891. So, David, before the break, we were talking about how really God was very patient with us, but um, also we saw that example where his patience ran out with people who were getting in the way mm. of uh, of that opportunity for people to come and experience salvation. So um, with all of what we've discussed today, uh, share with us how that applies to us. Why, why should it matter to us today? Mm. Well, firstly, you don't want to be one of those people who are getting in the way. Mm. <laughs> I Absolutely. think that's really important. And, and look, in Australia, I think more than – I don't know so much about other countries, but – I know in Australia that we operate on a three strikes basis and what I mean by that is we give people three chances, a bit like baseball, you know, three strikes and you're out. Well, we're very much like that as a, as a culture, um, a, you know, a general culture as Australians. We give people three chances after that, we write them off. And, and I guess Peter was saying something like that. We shared that another week where he said, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus said, well, there's no end to it, you know, 470 times. They're not going to count that. Mm. So first and foremost, why should the way Jesus treated others matter to us today? Well, firstly, if we're really his followers, the thing that concerns him should be, and I would say will be, the thing that concerns us. You know, if we want, if God wants others to be saved as he's uh, lived out in our life, that's something we'll want for others as well. In short, Jesus told us to love our enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you and abuse you. And it's a tough call. It's a really tough call. Um, I'm going to do a course next year called Forgive to Live. Uh, Dr. Dick Tibbetts uh, has a book on this and he has a workbook and he has a, a program that you can run. We're going to go through that next year. If you're in Launceston, watch out for it because it'll be a great program. We've run it a number of times in the past. But... Even though it's a tough call, it's something that Jesus has said that we should do 
and it's not something that he tells us to do and that didn't do himself. You know, when, when you read, one of the, my favourite passages is uh, Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> and let me read what it says in here in verse 5 to verse, five, to verse 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he allowed himself to be killed for us mm. um, so we could be forgiven by God. Uh, and and this is a powerful thing because he he does this and and it's it's no no surprise that he starts it with let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus which is the mind that he's promised to give us when we come to him you know don't don't be conformed to this world in Romans 12 it says but be transformed by the by the renewing of your mind and that's what the holy spirit does for us how's this possible you know how's it possible for us when someone's often done so much to us even sometimes hurting those that we love so much. Mm. Well, firstly, it's through forgiveness. And when I look at uh, the Bible examples, I've got lots of personal examples of people I've seen who've been able to forgive unforgivable things. Um, you know, the death of a child uh, by another person. Um, so I've seen someone been able to forgive that. Uh, it's hard for us to imagine how can that happen. Mm-hmm. But in biblical examples, we'll see, we see Stephen giving a very pointed message, almost the same as what we've just looked at, that Jesus was saying to the religious leaders who were, were being stiff-necked and not listening to God. And as he is thrown out of the city and then stoned to death. He's being stoned. The stones are hit him. Not little not little pebbles. These are big rocks that are being dumped on him. As this is happening, as he's being killed for his faith, he has the presence of mind to ask for their forgiveness. And this could have only come at that particular time from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So same is really for us today. To love your enemies, it's often only possible if we submit our sinful natures to God, allow him to transform our thinking. Otherwise, we're living in a different paradigm and we just can't do it. Mm. And uh, look, as I wrap up the, the series, I want to come back to the opening illustration today of natural enemies. You know, I, I, I know... Um, as I came to God later on, I realized I no longer needed and I no longer actually had that desire to get back at those who hurt me. You know, uh, um, I, I, God just took that away from me. And God's forgiveness changed my attitude towards other people. So really to wrap up this series, to truly reflect Jesus in the world, we need to have him living in us and through us with the Holy Spirit. That's what we looked at with the section, The Fruit of the Spirit. He brings us that forgiveness as we try to reconcile with others. And then the next section was sharing hope. Um, we, 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 when we have the Holy Spirit within us, we actually feel compelled to tell others and to, to allow them to have the opportunity to be changed like God has changed us. It's just something that comes out of us when we stay connected to the Holy Spirit. And then 
<clears throat> the next part talked about meeting needs. You know, as we are connected, as we're sharing the faith and help, hope, we are moved or compelled to actually reach out into the lives of other people and not be so selfish. And then finally, the valuing everyone section. Along the way on our Christian journey, our heart is changed and we want to value people and we, t we find ourselves sometimes, I, I find myself drawn to people who are maligned and left aside. So rather than going and speaking with, you know, the people that I really like, I, I see somebody sitting by themselves and they're, you know, they're lonely or something like that and I'm drawn to actually go and talk with them because I see they have a need that's not being met. So, you know, it's truly my wish that as you listen to this program, those who are listening, that they draw closer to God because that is the most important. And as we draw closer to God, we'll reflect him more in our daily lives and become the example of Jesus, reflecting him to all that we meet. That's, that's, that's my appeal to everybody. That's my desire for each one of us. Mm. Jesus really did set the example to us, didn't he, in so many mm. ways. And uh, if we can think about that, we can meditate on it and we can, um, I guess, emulate. And sometimes I, I don't like that word, emulate, what Jesus mm. did because it seems like it's fake, but it's not from a fake location. It's from a genuine mm. desire to mm. follow Jesus and to follow in his footsteps to try to understand um, the way Jesus reached people and the, the way he loved people. And uh, we should try to do the same. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, David, coming up, our next series that you'll be doing, which will take us up to the end of our live broadcast for this year, tell us a little bit mm. about that. Yeah, look, one of the most asked questions I get is, can we trust the Bible or how can we trust the Bible? And I want to take a number of weeks uh, to look at how the Bible was spoken, written and lived so that we can know that we can trust it. I know I've touched on it briefly in the past, but I want to look at it over a number of weeks and how we can have confidence in, in how God has directed that process so that we can actually believe it and follow it today. Mm, awesome. Now, David, up in Tasmania in the northwest area, I think it's in the northwest, tell us about mm. um, you've got something coming up in mid-October. Yeah, the ladies' camp. It's actually down the south. Oh, it's down <laughs> so south. There you go. All of those in Hobart, please, uh, you know, uh, check out the ads and contact um, the, the the conference office to to book the ladies' camp, fourteenth um, to sixteenth of October. Running out of time to book it. Yeah, sure. Get in soon. Um, but if you need to, you can text us in on our number here, zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Just ask us about the ladies' camp in uh, the southern Tasmania, and we can share that information with you. Um, mm. Tomorrow we're going to have Natalie Moore joining us. Uh, she's shared a few programs, and uh, she's going to be doing a couple of studies on Haggai or Haggai. Do you say Haggai or Haggai? David. Haggai. Haggai. I say Haggai. There you go. I, I grew up saying Haggai and uh, Natalie educated <laughs> me to say, no, it's just Haggai. So uh, we're studying the book of Haggai, which is only two chapters. And um, tomorrow we're going to be doing part one of Haggai. She's titled it, There's Something About Haggai. Have a great day wherever you are. And uh, remember the code for today, Reflect24. I think we're almost out of, of those books. But this is Love One Another by Carly Fletcher. God bless you today. Thanks. <laughs>